Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me at Dino Game Theory on Twitter. This is episode six, and today we have a very, very special guest. You know, I'm super excited to, to bring this person on. Without further ado, I'm just going to get that out of the way, get him on the show. I am proud to bring on Randall Kennedy, a.k.a. Term. Term, what's up, man? What's going on, Scott? How you doing? I, I'm doing great, man. I'm super excited to have you on the show. You know, I'm sure a lot of people know that, you know, you and I are like, uh, I don't know what, what you'd call us, but like, you know, we go fist to cuffs on, on, on Twitter and, and sometimes it's for show and sometimes, you know, we have a little cry in session and we hug it out afterward, don't we? Always, every time. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, um, we had a pretty good day of football. You know, we're recording this Sunday night late. Uh, it's going to hit Tuesday morning, so we don't know what's going to happen in the Baltimore-Kansas uh, City game. Obviously, that will be for the supremacy in the NFL, but almost no matter what happens with those two teams, they're kind of the two uh, you know, leaders of the pack. But as we look at the rest of the NFL, things kind of shook themselves out and, and kind of fell into place, I think, with, with Seattle sort of claiming the top spot, wouldn't you Wouldn't you say that, of the also-rams? Yeah, I, I was just about to say, I think Seattle might have a, a claim for that top spot as long as they have a healthy Russell Wilson. Yeah, you, you really you really said it, man. I mean, you know, the the one thing uh, we're going to hear a lot about Russell Wilson maybe a little bit later in the show with some of the things we're going to be talking about. Who knows? We may both have Russell Wilson as an answer to a question down the way. But, yeah, I mean, watching that game, it, it felt like if, if they would have just played a little bit different, they could have blown out Dallas. And Dallas found their way back in the game, but – Sort of felt like Seattle had control of that one, didn't it? It did. Uh, at one point, uh, I think they were, what was it, like 31-16, to 16 and it looked like they were going to cruise a little bit. And then you said Dallas just, uh, similar to last week, they fought their way off the map. I think you're going to probably see that play out a lot uh, with the Cowboys this year because their defense is atrocious. Uh, they're probably going to be playing from behind, and, and uh, those game scripts are going to dictate that Prescott is using that right arm a lot. You know, one thing I, I noticed, and I, I don't know if you noticed it. Uh, I know you were you did a pod a little just straight after the game, so I don't know if you were watching right till the end. But toward the end of the game, Dallas, I couldn't find Amari Cooper. I couldn't find uh, C.D. Lamb on the field. It felt like they had Noah Brown and uh, you know Cedric Wilson, and I, I was just wondering. I mean, you have these two big play guys. I was scouring for for injuries. What the heck was going on with that? Did you notice that, or or, or is that just me? Uh, I didn't notice. Like you said, I was getting ready for another uh, another podcast that I did with uh, Matt McCoy. Uh, that's sort of their M.O. going back to last year when they were in that big game against the Eagles at the end of the season, and Amari Cooper was on the sideline. 
Uh, yep. I don't, you know, I don't know if he was hurt or I know at one point earlier in the game, he came down on the ball and got the, the wind knocked out of him. But, uh, I think by that time, that time he was uh, well recovered from that. Yeah. I, I saw the same thing and it, and it was deja vu to that Philly game. I was, I was just like, what is going on? I mean, of course, you know, I've got DFS lineups with, you know, the, the Dak Amari CD stack and, you know, I'm just getting super excited about what, what's going to happen. And, you know, the, they're not on the field. Uh, and it made me think of that Philly game and, um, and you know, just wondering if it was injury, if it was fatigue or God forbid the, the coaching decision. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I would probably, if I had to rank those, I would put probably fatigue number one and coaching decision at the bottom. I can't, ima- can't imagine so. a situation where they would, where they would decide, hey, let's uh, put Amari Cooper on the sideline. Unbelievable. A CD too at that point, you know, I. And, and they didn't go to Gallup. I think he was on the field. I, I think, you know, I was looking for him too, and I think he was there. But, you know, I just was thinking, boy, they need a they need a essentially a Hail Mary. I mean, it's not a Hail Mary there at the 25-yard line or something like that. But for all intents and purposes, they needed a last-second heroic play with a big jumping catch in the back of the end zone. You're like, uh, we have we have CeeDee Lamb, don't we? Uh, he seems perfect for this type of thing. Um, so I, I didn't understand why he wasn't out there, but – you know, maybe he maybe he tweaked something. I didn't like I said, I didn't see anything about injuries, but you know, uh, which which you know brings me to the show. I think and we're gonna have some fun with this one. I, you know, this is a dynasty show, and we try to do a lot of fun stuff with you know with with week, weekly recaps and weekly previews and things of that nature. But you know, I kind of wanted to come out and and you know, I, I kind of hit you up before the show and asked you to come up with you know th- sort of three big dynasty takeaways. Uh, going forward and, and we'll kind of alternate, go back and forth and, you know, hear each other out and maybe we'll disagree a little bit. I don't even know. Uh, but uh, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, Well, I'll go first. I, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can co- come up with three. I, I come up with, I got a, I got a big one here. We'll go for one and then we'll go from there. Maybe, maybe mine will give sure. you more. Um, So uh, I was watching the games today and I noticed the a big takeaway is the, uh, talent at quarterback uh, and some of the guys who are starting games today. And uh, I believe, I still believe Jameis Winston is a top 20 quarterback in this league. Probably the best quarterback on his team. Ducks. Woof. Yeah. So, so what, where are you going with this? Because I don't necessarily disagree with this. I, I'm I'm following this. So keep it going. Where, where, where's this? Uh, well, this leads me to, to think about Jameis Winston taking snaps next year under the tutelage of Sean Payton and uh, with Amari Cooper and Michael Thomas and and those guys uh, around him. I know he's under a, a, only a one-year deal, uh, but they can, you know, they can re-up that. Absolutely. And uh, yep. as someone who, you know, Bree, Breeze could come off the books at the end of this year. Breeze looks cooked to me, uh, you know, despite the fact that he uh, went over, I think he went over 300 yards tonight. You know, he, he has – there's no downfield presence to this offense whatsoever. And, we you know, we know Jameis Winston will change that. He will go down – he can go downfield. Yeah, I would say if Jameis Winston is a guy out there, he's on someone's roster, now is the time to go trade for Jameis Winston. If you feel like Jameis Winston is a starting quarterback, can be a starting quarterback, now is the time to go get him. Don't wait until Breeze retires. Right. Uh, You know, because his value is just going to go up. Or don't wait till he hits free agency, like like Cam Newton. The time to get Cam Newton was when it seemed like nobody wanted him. 
February. And, and, and he, yeah, and, and he was just hanging out there, and, and no, you know, he wasn't going to get a job. That was the time to go get Cam Newton. When Cam Newton started, you know, week one and, and put up 30 points, that wasn't the time to go trade for Cam Newton. That window had closed itself. Absolutely. So while you have the opportunity, go get Jameis Winston now. You know, like I said, I think he's still a top 20 quarterback in the league. Well, Term, you, uh, you play in enough leagues with me, at least now this year, and you're actually in enough startups. I think we probably did, I don't know, five or so, I don't know, something like that, startups together. You know that I have myself plenty of Cam Newton. So I saw that as well. And I think you're really hitting on it, man, because, you know, as a dynasty podcast, I, I really want to, I, I want to hit on, you know, some of the dynasty strategy that's out there and, and being willing to pick up the guy before he hits or not even just willing, but, you know, able because ultimately what happens, it's really easy when you see it, then you're, it's easy to get it. You know, if all of a sudden Breeze was hurt and Winston was in there, it'd be easy to want him on your team. It's hard to want him on your team now and to give up real assets for a guy that's not playing. So you have to believe, as you point out. But there's also a little bit of logic there. You kind of have to run the thought process through as to what's going to happen, you know, come end of this season when Breeze retires because he's going to. Are they really going to go with Taysom Hill? By the way, Taysom Hill lost that game for him. You know, they're they're down three. They've got an opportunity to at least tie the game. And Taysom Hill runs some sort of, you know, option and fumbles and they go down and go down by 10 as uh, Green Bay capitalized. So, you know, I, I don't know why they're they're so enamored with Taysom Hill. I understand he's a great football player, but, you know, Drew Brees needs to be the guy in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. I, I don't care how cooked he is. Yeah, what do you think is going through Brees' mind when he's watching Taysom Hill fumble? Uh, I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> I, have a pretty, I have a pretty good idea. I mean, uh, I think it's mother and effer. You know, and just, I mean, it's it's got to be because, I mean, this guy is, I mean, has there been a more consistent quarterback for a 20-year stretch ever in the NFL, ever? No, there's no. There's, he's been absolute pure his whole career. So, you know, to, to be out there, you know, not get the chance to decide the outcome himself must have been kind of brutal. No doubt. Uh, I love I love the Winston one. You you got more to add? No, I was, I was going to let you go and then uh... – you hit me hit me with one you know for me i can't help but just see the the excellence that is russell wilson and it's not only about russell wilson it's about everything around him and so tyler lockett dk metcalf anybody they're drafting anybody that any anybody around him right now like literally if they're going to play like this and allow him to play like this this is what we've been asking for i think we all saw that he was the number one player that wasn't getting enough opportunity, you know, maybe Aaron Jones and him. I mean, it's weird because he's a quarterback. He had seasons where he threw the ball 500 times and you're like, you know, this is ridiculous. This guy is, you know, the, the marvelous, uh, uh, man of efficiency, Mr. Unlimited. Right. Um, you know, but, but <laughs> I'm not going to do the unlimited, but, um, no, but I mean, you know, he's just, he's just that good. I mean, like him or love him or hate him or whatever. It doesn't even matter. He has 14 touchdowns in three weeks. He's on pace for 75. Unbelievable. I mean, this is just, but this, we saw this. We, we, we were literally watching this for the last five years going, yeah, if they just throw it a little bit more, like literally five more times a game than they do instead of running these wasted, you know, second and eight, you know, run up the middle for two and it's third and six. You're like, just let him cook all the time. Let him pass every down if he, if truly, if he wants to. Um, so this is huge, and, and I'll be looking. Travis Homer got a little run. Carson hurt himself, although they say he's okay. It's kind of like 
anybody in the, the Carson didn't hurt himself. So yeah, he got cheap shotted exactly. Yeah, that that was some bush league stuff there, Ugh. and there's no room in football for that kind of crap. It's the worst thing in the world. We anybody who's ever played knows that's the, the most dog shit thing you can do. So I'm with you, term. But um, but you know he, he twists himself up a little bit, and so any any backup running back, any backup receiver, you know, stash David Moore. I mean, because if 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 Lockett were to go down, David Moore, if they're going to play like this. I mean, you can play like a wide receiver one. I mean, literally anybody. I mean, you know, so it's really a, it, I'm focusing on that offense and making sure I've got backup pieces because if anything happens to anybody out there, um, you might have a really big, big player on your hands there. So that was, that was one. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. So uh, it's funny you go here. We, uh, we talked about this a little bit on uh, Matt McCoy's pod. Um, and I mentioned DJ Dallas exactly. uh, might might be able to find his way onto the field uh, if Carson does indeed miss time. And I hope Carson – you know, I'm a 49ers fan, but Carson is one of my favorite players. Uh, I've been an advocate of his, uh, you know, since he was drafted uh, at Oklahoma State. Um, and I've been a fan of his for a while now, so hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. Uh, and he did, uh, you know, leave under his own power, so maybe he's okay. But DJ Dallas is a guy I'd watch. I wouldn't expect anyone to just step in and be Tyler Lockett. No. And I don't think you meant that. Nope. Um, those two sort of have like a an uncanny connection in the red zone, which was sort of my uh, – but the basis of my argument that Tyler Lockett was still their wide receiver one. Uh, despite the uh, insane metrics and and plays and things like that that you've seen from DK Metcalf, and he made a bonehead play today. I know you probably saw that. I did. Uh, those two just have a synergy together in, in the red zone. You saw that today. He caught three touchdowns from Russell Wilson, and he doesn't have to go out there and catch a bunch of passes to make a big impact. I'm I'm with you on Wilson. Uh, I had him as my dynasty quarterback to this off season. Good for you. Who was largely who was because one? Mahomes yeah. was one. So you had him over. That's fair. I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, Mahomes was one. I made a trade uh, this past week for Russell Wilson in a superflex league, and I got criticized uh, that I had given up too much. And uh, you know, I don't think what did you, I think I got out up? pretty I need cheap. To hear this. Yeah. So I gave up Matthew Stafford, uh-huh. Lavisca Chenault, uh-huh. a twenty twenty two first. Uh-huh. And a 2021 second. Smash. Yeah. Smash. All day long. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I mean, because here's the here's the thing. And, and I, you know, I'll, I'll dovetail this takeaway. You know, in, in, in fantasy football, in fantasy football, and you'll agree with this term, like there's certain guys, if you have them on your team, you're probably going to win. It was like Todd Gurley in, what was it, 17, 18? It was, you know, it was... Uh, Pat Mahomes two years ago it was Lamar Jackson last year and right now it was it's Ladanian Tomlinson in 06 right exactly yeah right there's always Sean Alexander in 05 yeah Aaron Jones last year right like if you yeah. happen to have Aaron Jones and somehow Lamar Jackson I mean you won your title congratulations right so you know it's it and it, you know these guys change from year to year I mean yes there are guys who are steady Eddie <clears throat> excuse me we just talked about one and Drew Brees Look, to have had Drew Brees for on a dynasty team for ten or fifteen years would have been very, very convenient, you know. But having those those sort of supernova years help you win titles. And Russell Wilson is a guy who could win you a title. I mean, especially in a super flex league, as you point out, where you know if you happen to have another, 
you know, top 10 type of guy. Maybe a I have teammate. Deshaun Watson. There you go. That's, that's a team yeah. that can win a title just on the strength of those two players. So, um, yeah, I think that's an easy smash. So that, that, that's great. I, I don't know who would have criticized you for paying too much. It's definitely not too much, especially because the 20, the first round is a 2022. 20, um, so pushing that out further is, is just great. I mean, you have time to recoup that capital in terms of draft capital and make it happen. So, you know, that's just a fantastic trade. And, you know, maybe they were selling high thinking he was going to go back to, you know, ground and pound Wilson, but I don't think so. I think this is, you know, this is too clear the way they need to play. And on top of it, their defense isn't good. So even when they want to run the ball, they may not be able to. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's wheels up for, for Wilson and, and, and hopefully no, no, no looking back, you know? Yeah. Speaking about their defense, they, uh, I, you know, I don't, I haven't had a chance to look at the statistics from today, but coming into this week, they had given up the most points to slot wide receivers and the third most points to outside wide receivers. So they yes. can't cover anybody. Yeah. I heard that on your show and you know, that, that, uh, or I might've heard that somewhere else too, but yeah, that was going around a little bit. I really appreciated that information. And you know, that's what had me on, on Amari and CD or Gallup and CD or whatever, any combination of those guys heading into the game. And, you know, that was part of the reason Cedric Wilson was such a kick in the pants Let's touch on Cedric Wilson because we know that everybody's going to be wondering, hey, what do I do with Cedric Wilson? Is this a is this a guy I put in my fab for or what's going on? What what are your thoughts? I don't know. Um I I haven't studied enough of this kid to intelligently answer this question, I don't feel like. That's a fair answer. Um you know, I did a I little I would like to oh, go ahead. I would just say I was just going to say I'd like to dig into this kid a little more. Yep. And maybe they had some spots in the play, but like we saw Dalton Schultz uh, go crazy last week. And what did he end up with? Like nine catches or something? Yeah. Maybe there's a spot in their playbook that was for Jarwin, and and losing Jarwin uh, has kind of opened up a little bit of an opportunity for a couple of these guys, and that might be sort of a revolving door from week to week. Oh, they're bracketing Gallup. Uh, they're they're playing Cooper over the top. Uh, you know where's Where's Cedric? Where's uh, Schultz? I can find Schultz. Uh, And Dak has uh, shown a propensity to go to the tight end inside the red zone. Uh, Jason Witten led them in red zone targets last year, despite the fact that he was catching the ball and falling down. So maybe it's a thing where it's it's sort of a mixed bag every week, and and this week it just happened to be him, and and next week it'll you know it'll be back to Schultz or someone else. You know, it's pretty uh pretty interesting because. I was looking up some information on Cedric Wilson. So I looked at, uh, you know, some of my notes from last year, you know, he's a second year kid. He's out of Boise state. He was drafted in the sixth round uh, by Dallas and, you know, didn't, didn't do too much last year. I think he caught like five balls all last year. So he's been kind of quiet. And and then I started digging just profile and just looking at, so I pulled up his player profiler page. um, And it was kind of interesting because his best comparable on that site was Josh Reynolds. And I thought, how apropos that, you know, they had the three guys, Cooks, uh, you know, Cooks, Woods, and Cup, and Dallas has Lamb, Gallup, and Amari. And here's this guy that, you know, these guys are – so I think that's actually – what's interesting is that's actually a really great comp going forward too. In other words, this guy might be pretty good. I think Josh Reynolds is pretty good. Um you know, so I think it's a really good comp, uh, you know, more so even going forward than it was coming out of the draft. But, you know, he is, he's slight, he's uh, 6'2", you know, 190 probably. 
He ran pretty good. He ran a four five five, but at his weight, that's not that fast. Although he looked really fast today, man, he was blazing. He did have some really good agility and burst uh, at the combine uh, in terms of his percentiles here. I mean, he was above the 60th percentile in both. So you know, just taking a quick look at his profile, you know, he was very his college, productive. Yeah, his college profile. His yeah. College, yeah, his college dominator scores is a. Uh, way up there and you you made an interesting comment about he looked fast faster than four five five today there's there's a difference between football fast Mm -hmm. and that 40 time where we rarely see these players get into an area where they just get to run as hard as they can for 40 yards straight out and so with his burst score being up there that's probably uh what attributed to you see, seeing him look more football fast and exactly than a four yep. five five would indicate yep i agree 100 percent. yeah i think that's right i mean you know we what we know is well look four five five still fast i mean it's fast human yeah um right you know so it's not a slow person but you know he looked really fast out there which is you know he's light he's small and he you know who knows maybe he's, he runs a 445 you know on a better day or something right exactly i'm with you those are not necessarily exact science that's not the fastest he is so i'm totally 100% with you but i think you know some of the indicators you know he had a 19.2 uh, yards per catch as a senior you're you know that was that's there i mean his target share was there his dominator was there right so all those things that i think you're talking about that um that sort of prove that he is a big play player and then he made some damn big plays this week. I think he's worth a a buy in dynasty. Um, You know, Amari hasn't been the picture of health. You and I will talk a little bit about CD and Gallup. I think all three are studs, but you know, look, if someone gets hurt, they play a little four wide that defense is talk about a terrible defense. They're really bad too. They're going to be behind a lot. They're, they're, (laughs) they're going to get tired of running routes. He's going to have some, some opportunities he has a pretty good college profile. I don't know how much he'll play, but if he gets a chance to play in that offense, I think he'd be really productive. So there's probably someone on your dynasty roster that's less valuable than him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he had a uh, – when you uh, watch – you know, I did see a little bit of this kid. When you watch him uh, at Boise State, he's making plays well outside of his frame. Uh, he's got a tremendous catch radius. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'd, I'd buy a little uh, Cedric Wilson if the price is right. Yeah, it seems it seems right. Um, so uh, you got another takeaway? You wanna you wanna you wanna hit me with something, or you want me to go? Well, I mean, since we're talking about quarterbacks, uh, this is the second week in a row, really third week in a row that I've watched Joe Burrow and come away impressed. Um, I, I mentioned on um, the show with Matt McCoy this evening that there are three things that I look for in a young young quarterback, and they're uh, poise, presence, and command. And Burrow has all three of those. He's poised in the pocket. He has command. Of, you know, everyone in that huddle is is they're looking to him like he's the leader already. Uh, he should have led them back to a uh, come from behind win in week one, and they missed the kick because they're the Bengals, and that's what they do. Uh, you almost feel bad that he got drafted to the Bengals, but uh, that kid, I, you know, I mentioned this on our pod. He's got a slow heartbeat, man. Yep. He just he just looks the part and and I, another kid that I was really high on through the pre-draft process uh was Herbert and Herbert really looks the part too. I think you could uh we could see these guys, you know, going back and forth in the league for for a long time, man. I'm I'm excited to watch these two guys play for the next few years and if you've got one of them, 
uh, on your uh, dynasty team. Uh, congratulations, because uh, you know I think you got a quarterback for the next ten years. I love this take. I love Burrow. I think he's proven himself, and I think you're absolutely right. I think you know as a as a rookie quarterback, you're not necessarily looking for what Russell Wilson's doing. You know, like that's unreasonable. That's not something that you should be expecting. Pat Mahomes sat his entire first year. You know, it's it's a hard league to come in and 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 master. Uh, there's a lot going on. The defenses are really smart. They're really adaptive. They kind of see you coming. So if you're tipping your hat at all, they know exactly what you're doing. I mean, you know, I, did, I didn't play much further than high school football, but, you know, in my competitive days, we knew what plays the other team was running. I mean, you know at that level. So, I'm, I, you know, with the advanced scouting in the NFL, they know what you're running. They know what you're doing. And so you really have to have a way of of, of nuance. And, and that's why the quarterback position is more than just – you know, measurables because it's hard to measure what's between the head and between the heart. And like you say, all those things to be able to process that information and Burrow is showing that. And I think that's the most important thing. He's showing that he's able to process the information. He's showing that he's able to, you know, react calmly and be cool and, and, uh, and then make throws. Of course. I mean, you know, we, we sort of assume that if you're an NFL quarterback, you have the arm ability to make any throw. Otherwise really what the hell are you even doing there? I mean, then you're just a you know you know a Cody Kessler backup type of guy whatever you know, um, but yeah these guys are supposed to be able to make those throws so you know but yeah I'm a hundred percent with you it's amazing that you went with Joe Burrow because the next guy on my you know on my list the big takeaway is someone that I was going to ask you who you'd rather have Joe Burrow or this next guy in Dynasty and because I'm so impressed with Burrow he's climbed all the way up but this guy's climbing up too and Josh Allen is okay so i said this right i'll say it right now even the most ardent uh josh allen supporters going into this season would not have said oh yeah 70% completion percentage in about 12 touchdown passes you know this was not the the expectation it was you know maybe he'll get above 60% completions that'd be nice and then he's still going to be a rushing threat and, and and a threat to score touchdowns on the ground and hopefully he's just you know, adequate enough to get digs involved, right? This was what the story was, even from the supporters, right? So what he is doing is impressing me beyond all measure. I watched a lot of that game this morning. I watched uh, this morning, I'm on the West Coast, but, you know, I watched a lot of that game and they they raced out to an early lead because he was awesome. And they kind of sat on a little bit and, you know, played that, you know, prevent, prevent yourself from winning, you know, that type of thing. And then, and then when they needed him down the stretch, he did get bailed out by a call. I will I will say that. But you know what? Who gives a shit? He made the plays before and after that that call in order to get the game won. And I am so thoroughly impressed with this kid. I mean, he's always had this gigantic arm. Um, he's he's a great athlete, and it looks like he's putting it together. No turnovers. I mean, holy smokes! Am I getting a little off track here? Is this? Am I right on line here? No, I think you're you're right on line. Uh, last week he was the first Bills quarterback uh, to throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and and no interceptions. And uh, you know this is a franchise that's that had Jim Kelly for a long time. You know the K gun offense and all that stuff. Uh, man, this kid looks really good, and even I can't like you. You said the supporters didn't didn't see this coming. I was a big Stefan Diggs fan, and I, I was one of the few people who liked this move for Stefan Diggs to go to the Bills. I thought he fit perfect uh, with Josh Allen. And to me, Stefan Diggs is the best route runner in the league. Uh, 
and he has just made uh, a world of difference with this kid and and Alan, you know, taking the the uh taking the onus on himself to get better uh to work at his craft. You can clearly see he's put the work in and man, I, if you've got this kid on your dynasty team, it's like it just feels like what we saw from Cam Newton when Cam Newton first came in the league, only he's more accurate, which is ridiculous. Yeah, no, he's – I mean, look, he, he wasn't very accurate last year, the year before. I mean, he wasn't. And the fact that he's accurate right now is either the greatest improvement year over year that I've ever seen in that specific category or a mirage. And so I'm walking cautiously if I'm a – Josh Allen owner, but I'm also, I mean, I can't unsee what I've seen either. Can it, you know, can right? it be I mean, both, right? It can be both. Sure. I agree. I think it is both. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it can be a little bit of a, this, this may be uh sort of like the, the perfect season for him. Uh, and also, uh, um, you know, a mirage at the same time. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and yeah, I know you're, you're, um, I'll just talk about my rankings right now, and you can disagree if you want. I know your rankings, uh, you know, you, you do a lot of other things on the site. Sometimes they're, they're a little lagging, so I'm not going to call you no, out you, on it. But, go, um, go ahead. Well, no, I just mean in – so in, in my opinion, and, and you can correct me here if you, if you think this is wrong because, I, I mean, I, I think this is what you've got in yours. Um, there's sort of that, 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 that great six, right? Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Watson, and Dak. We all, I think, have him there, you know, as the top six, um, or at least somewhere thereabouts. I think pretty much every one of us, and I think that that's correct. However, Josh Allen right now is making me consider moving him above. I don't know, Deshaun Watson right now. I mean, who would you rather have in Dynasty right now? Right now, Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson? Uh, well, my answer may differ from most dynasty uh, players in that I would probably say Josh Allen because I'm more of a win now person than most dynasty people, uh, and I think you sure. probably know that uh, as well as anyone, having been in so many leagues with me. I'll sell a first round pick right now if it means I can win right now. Uh, so with the way Allen's playing. Uh, it's hard for me not to say Allen right now, and I love Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I think he's one of the few quarterbacks that could go anywhere in the league and in and, and, and any system and win. Uh, but the way Allen's playing this year, man, it's just it's hard to overlook that. Like you said, it's just he's playing phenomenal. If Russell Wilson is the favorite for MVP, man, Allen's got to be right there. I agree. I think, I think you know, it'd probably be – uh, Allen and Aaron Rodgers right there because <laughs> he, he's been playing great too. But, um, you know, I'm with you, by the way. I know that, you know, I get the the sort of the reputation of a, you know, and and it's true to some degree. You know, I, I, I hoard a lot of picks in Dynasty. I try to, I try to make it hard for myself with my roster sometimes by, by selling things and acquiring picks. I made a trade like that with you recently. You know, you got the better player. I got some picks and I got a player. You know, I do this. I do this on purpose. And, you know, obviously I'll target someone like you who I know will 
appreciate that type of a trade. And, and so we trade really well together, actually. The only reason we don't is because we don't ever want to lose to one another. <laughs> so it's true. It's true. We don't. We don't ever. Like, the only reason I would say no to one of your trades is because I don't ever want to be regretted. And then you'd be able to hold it over me. That's the only reason. Um, other than that, you know, it's it, it's true. And I know you feel the same way. You can deny it if you want, but it's true. And so, you know, when we make those trades, it really does work well together because I'd be willing to give up the better player and get a little lesser player plus picks. I, I do like that strategy. However, um, in general, I'm with you 1,000%. I always say that, you know, when 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 in, in the off season I have my dynasty rankings, and then as soon as the season starts, the current season's production and projections and situation matters so much more at that time than it did just a second ago. So yeah, I, I factor in that one year this because we know more information about it. You know, before the season starts, we don't know if CD Lamb is going to play a lot or not, or if Gallup's going to get 120 targets. We don't know. You know, could you know all of a sudden Gallup could be a 60 target guy or he could be a 150 target guy. But once we start playing the games, now we look at it, we say, oh well, here's the information. So we're a little bit more certain about what that one-year outlook is. We sort of see how these teams are playing, whether they have a good O-line, whether they're clicking. Whatever the case is, we have that information. We don't always have that information going into the season except for the very elite players. So I'm with you a 1,000%. I value, and that's why my my rankings are very active, because during the season, I'll I'll value this season way more and, and, and move those players up. And that's why I have to ask the question about Josh Allen, because... He could win you the league this year. So is it worth maybe giving up what I, I see as a better long-term asset in Watson to get Allen now? Or is Allen the better long-term asset? You know, it, we could be wrong about that. It's possible. So, you know, this is all the all the thought process that goes in. So if, if you're thinking about Josh Allen above Deshaun Watson, I can't imagine that you're at all thinking about Joe Burrow above Josh Allen or, or anything like that. Is that is that fair? Even though you love him? Sure, that's fair. Um and for the record, I think I have Allen eighth. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> you have you. I mean, I'm looking at your dynasty rankings now. They're they're you have them a little bit lower, but you know you have Josh Allen at eight. Who who do you have uh, besides the six above him? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Good for you. You know, I certainly um, I've got him a little bit. High. I've got him at ten, so that's high for me, especially because I'm a, I'm an ageist. And he's certainly a little old, but he's just playing so well right now. I, I can't, I can't drop him out. Uh, I've been moving him up, up, up. I mean, I think I had him in the mid-teens before the season because I was a little unsure of everything. But you can be pretty sure he's going to have a dope season. So he's definitely worth, uh, worth, worth rostering uh, right now for sure. So I had a, I had a take this off season, and this is not any kind of genius take. It didn't take a, a genius to figure this out. As soon as they. Uh, and they being the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round. I said Aaron Rodgers is going to scorch the earth this year. Yeah, it's a good take. Um, first good off, take. it's the second year in this system, and uh, you can sort of see, you sort of saw it tonight when they were sort of uh, staring at each other from you know during the game, sort of like giving the, the that knowing look across the field to one another. He and Lafleur. Um, they just, they look like they're getting in sync and, and, you know, they're going to win games on his arm. I know they want to run the football and Aaron Jones, you'll find no bigger Aaron Jones fan, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, I love it. 
<laughs> I love Aaron Jones. Uh, but they're going to win games on Rodgers' arm, uh, and, and they're doing just that. I think they set a franchise record tonight for points through the first three games of the season. Uh, and, he, yeah, he just looks phenomenal right now. And I, I think he's got a couple of years of football in him, you know, this year and next year. For sure. And I actually think, you know, Green Bay's so stupid. I mean, drafting <laughs> Jordan Love in the first round was the dumbest thing. I mean, I, I you know, I can't even – I really can't. I mean, imagine term. I mean, we're just two dummies on a podcast. That's all we are. I mean, let's face it. But if we were running the Green Bay Packers, what are the percentage chance that you or I could have talked each other into drafting Jordan Zero. Love at that spot? There's no way you would have talked Zero. me into that pick. There's no way. Like, you couldn't – I couldn't have – you couldn't have moved me. I would have been like, no. You know, I mean, it would have been it, one thing if Jordan Love was some can't-miss prospect that fell in their lap. Whoa, I can't believe this guy didn't right. go top five, and, and we're sitting here at 15, and like Rodgers was. Yeah, Burroughs. Like, like Rodgers yeah. was when they had Favre. And and it was, who's yeah. who are the 49ers going to take first? They're going to take Smith, they're going to take Rodgers, and then Rodgers fell all the way to 24, and then the Packers felt like they had to take him because he, you know, he he profiled as this great quarterback. Jordan Love didn't profile as any of that. Jordan Love was a prospect, no. uh, you know, some someone yep. that they're hoping to to be able to play one day. And they took him in the first round when you have a Super Bowl ready team. I mean, this team played in the NFC Championship game last year. Granted, they got blown out, but they were still one game away from the Super Bowl. And you don't get this guy yep. any help. It- and there was help there, it's man. The, there was it's help the there. Mo- it's the richest the wide receiver draft in NFL history, and you don't draft a single <laughs> wide receiver. Come on, man. Yes, there's no way you would have talked me into and, that. And pick. if there was no way, no way. And and there were there were wide receivers that were going to be there in the second or third round too. So really, they could have planned on taking with the Josiah Deguera pick, which was an awful pick. The, the AJ, AJ Dillon, Dillon pick. pick yeah, what? Why are you drafted AJ Dillon? What did Aaron Jones Trash. not do last year that made you think that you had to – and and I call him Jamal for Williams all the time. But even Williams played well enough last year that you should feel like you have two pretty good backs. And you go and you draft A.J. Yes. Dillon. It just didn't make any sense to me. The whole draft well, didn't make any sense. You're 100% right. It made no sense. And, and they could be using those players right now. I mean, an offensive lineman, you know, a, a cornerback, a, a, you know, anything, literally anything – um, you know, so yeah, don't get me started, but I think uh, we're boy, started, that, that was a, we just got ourselves all wrapped around. <laughs> oh my God. Whew. Deep breaths now, deep breaths. We're both going to be all right. But yeah, it's just funny. I mean, you know, I, I was, I was talking to my brother that way. I said, you know, if you and I were running that team and, and he had the same reaction, it's just like, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, so I'll go to my, uh, you want to do your next takeaway or you got no. one or I got one. I got a go good ahead. one if you want. I want to hear it. It's just a good. We got to talk about this. I mean, so does Alvin Kamara have uh, a, an argument to be the one point oh one in a dynasty startup right? Absolutely. I, you know, I said this on on unscripted uh, before the season started. I said it would not surprise me to see Alvin Kamara finish as the the one oh one. Now, I'm not going to take a victory lap because. It's not really fair with McCaffrey and Barkley getting hurt, but we we had seen him finish at the top of the position before. Uh, last year, he played through a high ankle sprain. He missed some games. He played through a high ankle sprain. He clearly wasn't the same player. His burst wasn't there. Uh, his lateral agility, his movement, it, the, the way he's able to move and make cuts, it just wasn't there for him. 
Uh, and I fear we may see that with Michael Thomas when he gets back on the field, but that's another story. But he absolutely has a case to be the, the 101, and, and as long as he's playing in that Sean Payton offense, uh, and he, he will be for a while, you know, they just signed him. Um, yeah, Kamara's – I wouldn't fault anybody for taking him. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, we you're 100% right. Alvin Kamara last year, you know, missed games – had a high ankle sprain when he returned from games. He also got unlucky in the touchdown department, which was a big a big point. Like it's almost a riddle as to how he scored so few touchdowns in an offense that scores so many. Um especially when he's so involved. I mean, he had uh, we all know 81 catches last year. I mean, anybody who has 81 catches um you know is bound to score, especially when that person is also a running back getting high high uh high value touches uh all the way around. So I just was it was a. It, there was no possible way he could ever do that again, which is to have that much uh, opportunity share and score that few touchdowns on a team that scores that many. Just it doesn't make any sense. It was a completely unlucky, and now we see that completely flip. Of course we do. He's got six touchdowns right now. Listen to this. This is he's gonna he's gonna have more than eighty one catches this year. Do you know where he would rank in yardage if he was a wide receiver this year? Right now. Yep. Number four. Yeah, he's fifth. Fifth. I mean, unbelievable. if he was just a wide receiver, he'd be one of the best in the league. You know, he's got 27 catches, 285 yards, three touchdowns, just just from the air. And then three touchdowns rushing. I mean, this is unbelievable. So it, it sort of should have given you a glimpse into just how good this guy is when – after Austin Eckler came off of a 90-plus catch, a 1,000-yard season from a running back, people were calling him Alvin Kamara light. <laughs> okay. Alvin Kamara caught 81 balls last year, and I think he missed two or three games. Uh, so he yep. would have caught more than 81 last year. So he's definitely going to eclipse 81 this year. I don't know that his usage the past two games will, will be as high once Michael Thomas gets back because he's going to – you know, Agreed. he's going to take some of those targets that, that are being funneled Kamara's way now. Uh, but, yeah, he's still going to be an integral part of what they do. Uh, and he, they're going to win games based on Alvin Kamara. You know, he's their best player. Totally agree. I mean, he's he's just really awesome. He's really special. And, and I'm really excited to have him on my Scott Fishbow team. Um, <laughs> do, I, do, <laughs> do I really say that? I don't know. I heard someone say it, and then you said it in the in the last uh, in the last episode. It was fantastic. Yeah, I think you kind of do. I, I don't know. I love it. Ra- raise, raise, give, a, give the people what raise they your want. hand if you're three and zero in the fish bow. I, I am. I am two and zero with a twenty seven point lead, and uh, Tyree Kill going uh, as my opponent. So I, I should be three and zero, but. I don't want to jinx it at all. Are you three and zero for sure? I am three and zero, despite the fact that I left Jefferson on my bench today. Whew. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was a good process play. There's no no reason for Jefferson to be in your lineup if you have other good options. Obviously, if you were swinging for the fences and you had some some deep players that you had to play, maybe play him. But no, the, that's not that's not a good play to play him. So this we week, we, so. Uh, we had a thing on the undroppables about uh, hot takes. Uh, before the season started, my hot take was that Justin Jefferson would lead the Vikings in receptions, and I told people to just be patient, draft him and put him on your bench, and just wait. He probably wouldn't come out of the gate, you know, hitting on all cylinders. 
man, I hope you guys out there listened and, and you're, you were patient because it looked like today, I, I don't know how he separated himself from Ola B.C. Johnson today. They had been sort of sure uh, splitting snaps and, and, and splitting routes and things like that, and Ola B.C. Johnson got blanked today. Uh, and Justin Jefferson looked every bit like the first round pick that uh, that they made him. So, uh, you know, I can't wait. To, I'm throwing this guy in my lineup every day, every week from here on forward uh, in the fishbowl. In the fishbowl. Fish <laughs> yeah, you you basically just say it with your normal accent, but you know that that L that L has seen better days, man. He don't come along for the ride. You just get that B O W, and that's, that's all because you I don't take L's, baby. Oh, there we go. That's it. Nice. Well said, sir. Um, but, you know, Justin Jefferson, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, it's like, um, you know, I thought the the fade rookie talk uh, going into this season, I, I felt completely the opposite. I actually felt like, you know, because of the lack of camp, they wouldn't be so far behind because, you know, the other the veterans wouldn't be up to speed either. You know, nobody's up to speed. So they're just basically going on skill and they've got a lot of skills. So, you know, I felt it was the other way around and it served me well in a lot of leagues. Um you know, CD played well. I do have Justin Jefferson in a couple spots, um, you know, redraft that I, you know, sort of had him stashed. Of course, didn't play him, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. But, I have um, a ton. Go I ahead. Have if you- a ton of rookies on my uh, Scott Fish team. Um, and basically, it got to the point where, uh, you know, I, I was in a draft with a, with a couple of three other Sharks. Uh, and, you know, it was, all right, I'm just going to, take some upside guys and you know I took Zach Moss and Cam Akers I took Brian Edwards Justin Jefferson I have uh LaVisca Chenault and CD Lamb uh and I was like you know I don't need all these guys to hit I just need a couple of these guys to hit uh that's right that's so that's right because you're gonna drop a bunch of guys anyway that's the that's I have Jalen Rager CD Lamb Zach Moss Brian Edwards um I you know I maybe somebody else too I'm, I'm missing but yeah, absolutely you just swing for those guys you know, I, I drafted Lynn Bowden, obviously, you know, dropped him. You know, you're just swinging for guys late that, hey, if, if all of a sudden they become somebody, uh, you, you've got them. If not, you, you, they're easy to launch if they're not if they're not seeing the field. And James uh, Robinson. You know, Ooh, can't forget James Robinson. Kudos man, to you, I, brother. I, you, know, you, you were I the only – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow some smoke up your ass here uh, for a little bit. You're the only guy this summer who I saw list James Robinson in their – on their list of running back prospects the only guy i yeah, didn't no, see I, anyone else profile this guy uh, i liked him i mean you know he he just looked first of all i i try to go uh you know and and, and look at all these these indicators that i have and i've, I've laid those out in a, in a few spots and uh you know in, in the anatomy of an elite running back I've, I've written that out a few times and you try to look for those things. And so obviously with late round guys, you're not, you know, one of the, one of the key things that you're looking for in an elite running back is early round draft capital. Um, and the reason for that is because they usually draft the better players earlier, kind of stupid, but it's <laughs> true. Um, so what, what makes for a, a late round guy, you know, well, you look for everything else that, uh, that the, those guys have, you know, maybe coming from a small school and he had that, you know, I mean, he was, he was really dominant. He he had great burst and, and agility. You know, he was fine. He had good speed score. He had a great body. You know, he's he's over two hundred pounds. Um, and then when you watched him play, he he was looked awesome out there. Now, what's what's tricky about that is when you see someone play awesome at you know at a smaller school, it could be because they're smaller playing against, school competition you know, inferior yeah. opponents. 
yeah, you got it, man. So, you know, but it's the same type of thing that, that led me to a guy like Chase Edmonds or something like that. And, you know, opportunity is different. Look, at this particular point, James Robinson could still be, you know, on a practice squad. You know, I mean, opportunity is king. And, you know, I didn't, I think you'll remember. I mean, I'll take the victory lap for that, but I also have to take an L too, because in our, in our group chat, when we were talking about putting in bids for him, I was against it. And, 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 and I was wrong, you know, in, in terms of, you know, I have him on a few spots because I did put, you know, some nominal, uh, fab budget, uh, bids on him, but I should have put more. And I, you know, if I had him on my Scott Fishbow team, I'd be really good. You know, I'm already pretty good. So I, I messed that up. You know, I made a mistake. And so for those who, you know, even lucked into it, good for you. For those who are like me and kind of knew about him and then, and then also sort of trusted their conviction. I just didn't know if he would get the, the looks. I thought there might be some veteran deference to Chris Thompson and all that nonsense. And he is undrafted. And, you know, all of a sudden you go out there, you, you know, I, he, he's the namesake of the show for Christ's sakes. I should have definitely gone for him. But, yeah, thank you. I, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a hell of a player and he's, he's sort of proven me right. Uh, but I wish I would have had a little bit more conviction with him in a few spots. So, to be honest. Sometimes so. it's hard to have that conviction in yourself. Like uh, last year I was no bigger, you know, Aaron Jones fan going into the season. Uh, and I went out and acquired him in my home dynasty league. I was like, I got to have this guy. And then he, he goes out and he scores 19 touchdowns. And then last off season, I got offered uh, Joe Mixon and uh, Miko Hardman for Aaron Jones. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I think I have to take this. You know, I don't know what, what the Packers are going to do with Aaron Jones and and uh, what his future looks like. And, you know, I spoke with a colleague of mine, and he was like, yeah, man, I think you got to smash that. So I did, and now I'm sitting here. And I really wish I hadn't have done that. <laughs> of course, right? Yeah, exactly. No, that you're you're right on the money, and you know maybe there's a little dynasty lesson in that. It's really tough uh, to know what the right thing to do is because sometimes you know you start to say, well, don't just think with your heart, think with your brain. You know, think this through, blah blah blah. And so it's really hard to trust your conviction or your gut, and to also trust you know your better intuition or your head, and you know sort of that kind of sift in between those two things can be difficult um, because we know, you know, look, you're right. I, I actually think um, Aaron Jones is every bit the player that Mixon is quite frankly. I mean, I really do. I like him, but he is a fifth round pick. They did draft a running back in the second round. They, you know, there's a lot of signals there that maybe, you know, Jamal Williams got a lot of looks last year. So your, your process was right, but it's really hard, you know? So that's one of the, one of the worst things about dynasty is when you kind of, have the correct process, make a good process decision, and you know your 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 heart would have been right. You know you're like fuck. So yeah, that that's a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know not to not to crap on anyone because uh, the, the people that we work with are are top notch. Man, they're they're some great minds. This particular individual has a great mind. Uh, but I I learned the hard way that. And this is going to sound arrogant as fuck, but I'm sorry that there's no better person to ask about a trade than myself. Um, and if I think it's a good That's deal right. now, I just do it. Uh, like the uh, the Wilson trade that we talked about earlier. I didn't ask anybody about that trade. I just did it. Um, I felt yep. like it was a smash and I smashed it. So I've stopped soliciting advice from people. Um, just because if I, if I'm wrong, I want to be able to just blame myself. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right on the money. I mean, 
you know, if you're trying to make a big decision in your life, you know, what city to move to or something like that. If you asked a hundred people, right. you get a hundred different answers, which only proves that they're all fucking wrong. So the point of the matter is, is that you can't listen to all that, that, that information because it's really senseless. And so at the end of the day, though, we look for a little bit of reassurance, I think. And, and, and as we look for that reassurance, if someone gives us the answer we're not looking for, it only fucks us up more. So it's probably better not to look for that reassurance is exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, right. that, you know, um, you got to be able to live with your decision. So uh, make your decision. Yep, yep I agree. And, and we all get a little gun shy, you know, like, you know, you, I don't know, whatever. You get excited and you're like, oh, my God, am I going to trade for it? You know, we all feel that, right? I love that. Um, and uh, um, that, that, you know, that's why everybody's addicted to trades, right? Because there is actually a rush to the whole process of it. And I'm addicted to trades. I fucking love it. You know, I love uh, making trades. I love the whole idea. So it is fun. And there's that rush. And that rush sometimes can trick you because, you know, your real your real best intuition might tell you this, but all of a sudden you're getting a little excited and either you chicken out because you were a little excited and you felt pressure or you get excited about one player on the other team and you did something stupid. So, you know, it, you're right. You really need to ask your best intuition. And it's one of the reasons why when I first started getting into this, um, into dynasty football, I was looking for, you know, it's kind of where I started was with, you know, creator rank you know, I, because we were trying to, I wanted a place where I could create my own ranking. So that way, whenever there was a decision to be made, I could ask myself, as you say, right? And if you ask yourself, who do I like better, this guy or that guy in the moment when the trades offered to you, sometimes you're like, Oh, I'm not sure who I like better now because I'm excited. But if you have your rankings done and, you know, sometimes I'll look and I'll be like, huh, yeah, I do have him over him. I guess that's true. You know, I sort of do ask myself in that way. So uh, for those out there that, you know, play dynasty football, I think rankings are a pain in the ass, but I think they're best to do. And you should have at least, you know, at least some semblance of of, of rankings that you keep active um, in, in whatever f- form or function. And I don't care if it's a notebook. Um, I think it's probably not little passe, you know, maybe you ought to use a fax <laughs> machine to fax your notebook to somebody else. But, you know, but you get my drift. I think it's, I think it's important to kind of have that because when someone offers it to you, are you going to take it? You know, it's like right now, if someone said, you know, Hey, here, you know, uh, I'll give you Josh Allen for Deshaun Watson. You kind of have to have thought that through a little bit, not that specific trade, but where you've got this guy, how high does Josh Allen move as an example? And so, you know, those, those questions are very, very important. You know, thinking about Alvin Kamara as the 1.01 is is kind of that big picture thinking. Speaking of that, I think we need to look at a couple quick things. This was this was exciting for me. You mentioned Justin Jefferson wasn't the only rookie to impress this week. Brandon Ayuk uh, played played well and scored. T Higgins played very well, scored twice uh, with your boy Joe Burrow. So he's got a, a, a you know a a field mate that I think they can grow together. So that's a pretty exciting spot. He's playing well. Um, my boy, Gabriel Davis, played another great game. Uh, maybe there's a few others. You know, even some year two guys. Andy Isabella uh, went out there and, and played well. You got any others um, that, that I, a, I can't think of right now? funny you mentioned Gabriel Davis because you asked me for an under-the-radar player, and, and uh, I was going to talk about Gabriel <laughs> Davis. He's not under the radar with me, baby. He's my he's my boy. I I comped him to Kenny Galladay on the last pod, so you know, um, you know, I, I think I I, I see like eighty percent of Kenny Galladay. I'm not saying he's all there. I don't I don't think he's that type of a player, but 
you know, his, his aspirational, uh, you know, uh, player is Kenny Galladay. And I think his sort of flourish players like Traquan Smith, I, I just think he's a, he moves really well, but I think he's a better player than Traquan. And I'm not sure how good he is, but he's real good. So, man. He looks uh, real good out there. This is a kid out of UCF. And like you said, it's, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to, uh, uh, watch these kids who play at schools like UCF, uh, and, and think, uh, maybe the competition wasn't so good. So I went and looked at a couple of, a couple of tapes of, uh, games that he played against, uh, larger schools. Uh, his college dominator scores way up there. He's caught all of his targets, uh, so far this year. He was four for four again today and John Brown got hurt. Uh, I know, I know you probably saw that. So, this kid, he's got plus burst, plus speed. Uh, he was taken in the fourth round. He's really smooth, despite the fact that he's got a big frame. Um, and what I mean by that is when you watch this guy cut and make cuts, he he's been you can tell he's been coached well because when you watch him in college, he would always make his cut when while the DB was in mid stride. So why that's important is the DB would always have to finish that stride before they could uh, react to whatever Davis was doing. And uh, more than more than once you'd see uh, where he would make his cut and the DB would – he gained so much separation because the DBs were, were off balance. Uh, even in, when they tried to press up on him, uh, he would get them facing the opposite sideline and he'd cut the other way. He knows how to sink his hips. Uh, he's a very high IQ player. He always knows the down and distance. He's very cognizant of everything going on. Uh, this is just a really good player. Uh, I think the Bills really got a good kid here. And if he does get on the field, I think he could. Uh, I think he could do some damage. Yeah, yeah I'm with you 100. percent You know, uh, I keep searching for that 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 comp because I don't think you know I, I've been looking at some of the the things I look at, and he's just not quite uh, ever going to be. I think uh, Kenny Galladay type player. You know, he's going to fall short of that. And when I say 80%, you know, I don't know what, what I mean by that. But you know what I'm saying. He's just not quite as elite and electric. He doesn't have quite that um, that dominance at the catch point, right? He just doesn't have that. Um, he, you know, he, so that's where I think he misses it. But, you know, the all the word out of camp with the Bills was that they loved him. So I think he's just one of those guys that you'd, you'd file under a football player. He's a kid who gets it, plays well, does everything so well, and he's athletic enough and, damn, he's big enough um, to to kind of be uh, effective. And I think they wanted him. I, you know, it was the, I think it was the first game first year, uh, first game of the year this year, first drive. I think they targeted him first. Like he got the first target. I think they probably, you know, schemed him in to – to just get him opportunities. I think they just want to find ways to get him on the field. And, you know, he was in, in some high leverage situations. I was watching that game and, you know, on that last drive, I think Beasley intercepted one from him. It was going to him and, and he caught it on the sideline. I mean, he was, Josh Allen looks for him, trusts him. Yeah. He's definitely a dynasty buy right now. I mean, right now he might still be flying under the radar with some of, you know, some more casual players. Obviously if you're listening to this podcast, I guess you're anything but casual, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'd like to be a little bit more mainstream, <laughs> tell your friends, go ahead. But, you know, at this particular point, most of the people listening to this are probably pretty geeky, uh, into this stuff. And you already know who Gabriel Davis is, but a lot of the, your, your league mates might not have any clue just how good he is. Might think he's just sort of some flash in the pan, you know, uh, fourth, fifth wide receiver, not an ascending player as he is. He's only 21 years old. 
Um, you know, he was a fourth round pick coming out, like you said, coming out of UCF. That's not bad. Look, a small school kid getting drafted in that three, four range is, is huge. That's the, that's where you want, you know? So I'm with you. I think it's wheels up for, for Gabriel Davis. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure what you think, uh, in terms of long term, but, uh, I, 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 I want him on my squad, and I'm not trading him yeah, unless get I him. get blown away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where are we going next? Uh, you you wanted to uh, talk about Gallup uh, versus Lamb. Ooh, yeah. I you know <laughs> it's weird because I got to give you credit because you're one of the guys that re- you know reeled me back in. As you know, I am a gigantic CD Lamb fan. I think he's as good a prospect as we've seen in some time. And so when the Cowboys drafted him, you know, I, I was saying in the, I don't know where, everywhere, you know, in the undroppables chat or who knows where, you know, sayonara, uh, sayonara Gallup, you know, uh, see you later. And you were like, not so fast, bro. And I was like, what do you mean not so fast? I said, they just drafted the number one. I mean, he's the best player. You know, he's going to, he's going to, and you put the brakes on me, and I'm glad you did because I have Gallup in a lot of spots uh, because I think a lot of people might have agreed with my first intuition, which was wrong. But I still think if you're asking me who I'd rather have in Dynasty, it's clearly C.D. Lamb. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, so, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a big uh, Michael Gallup fan. Yeah, I just I like what we saw from the kid last year. I know we're three weeks in uh, this year. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about – some of the things he did last year and why I like him. Uh, the majority of his uh, touchdowns last year came when Dak was under pressure. Um, you know, four of his six uh, grab touchdown grabs, Dak was directly under pressure, and, and he went to this guy. Uh, you saw that today uh, when Dak was under pressure. He went to Gallup time after time. The catch last week that he made against Atlanta right around the two-minute warning there are only a handful of players in the league who can make that catch. Uh, according to Next Gen Stats, it was the third most unlikely completion in the NFL, and it only had a 17% chance of being completed. And he went up and high pointed that ball, and was able to come down in bounds. And uh, he's the reason that the Cowboys were able to come all the way back in that game, uh, despite the fact that he wasn't that involved up to that point. Uh, when the game is on the line. Uh, when they need a big play, they go to this kid. Uh, they've done it three weeks in a row now. Three weeks in a row, he has beaten the one-on-one matchup down the field. We talked about this on our podcast where he smoked uh, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, the play was made, and, and they, it was an awful OPI call that ended up deciding the game. He did it again today. He's just This kid, I think he can be a wide receiver one in the NFL. Obviously, I feel that way about C.D., uh, but it's not like the Cowboys felt like they needed a wide receiver and they went out and targeted C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb sort of fell in their lap. You know, I'm not pooing on C.D. at all by saying that. I'm, you know, it's just the truth. Uh, they didn't expect him to be there when, when they were making that pick. But he was there and they took him. This guy last year, 9.8 yards per target, 2.16 yards per route run, was just right there with Amari Cooper. He only ran six. Uh, he only had six fewer targets with Cooper last year. You saw them sort of intertwine as as the number one. Uh, we spoke about this before we came on the air. The most crucial down and distance of the season when they were playing against the Eagles, Cooper was on the sideline sucking wind, and they were going to Michael Gallup down the stretch. 
Uh, I feel like Dak really likes Michael Gallup. I don't know that he'll be in Dallas for his entire career. I don't know what kind of money he's going to command when he comes on the market. Uh, since they did draft CD, it's going to be hard for them to, to pay everyone. Uh, but this is a guy I want on my team. People were asking me after two weeks, you know, what's the deal with uh, Gallup? And, and I'm like, man, he's he's got 100% uh, target uh, snap share. He's running all the routes. He, he's out there. Keep playing him. And then this week he blows up. So it, it may be a little more hit or miss than, than you'd like uh, because they have so many uh, capable pass catchers in Dallas. But this is a kid I want on my team. I want him on my dynasty team, and I, you know, I obviously really like him. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you dodged the question a little. I'll ask you again. <laughs> I'd rather, I'll, I'd rather I'll, have I'll him than come CD back. Yeah, be, there you go, that a boy. Well, just because, just because you made some great points doesn't mean you're right. I love it, you know. But you, you do. And look, here's the hard part: is that when you're talking about Amari, Gallup, and CD, it's not that. Well, maybe you don't like Amari, but I like all three, you know, and I and. Coming into the season, when I when they first drafted CD, I did think that 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 spelled doom for Gallup, only because I felt you know obviously they gave money to Amari, so we knew he was going to be there. They just spent draft capital for CD, so we assumed he would be there, and he's awesome, also that, and so that's why I thought Gallup was on the outside looking in, not because I didn't like Gallup, and I think that's the important thing that swung me, is you started to say hold on, hold on, and. You know, only because I do actually think that Gallup is good. If I didn't think Gallup was any good, I would have, I would have pushed back because he would uh, shadow out a lesser player than Michael Gallup. But Michael Gallup is really good. You're right about that. He is a he is he he might you know what he actually might go elsewhere and become that team's number one. That's very 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 in play. So. I'll grant you that for sure. Um, in terms of when I started to change a little bit was when I started to do my projections. You know, you looked at uh, Cooper and Gallup from last year. I think they were both right around 115, 120 targets. Um, you know, obviously Cooper missed a game or game and a half, really. I mean, the Philly game, you can't really – I mean, he was he was no bueno. He didn't look very good out there. So um, when he was healthy last year, he played well, as did Gallup. But they had about 120 targets if you extrapolate a full season, 120-125. And uh, Randall Cobb had 83. And Jason Witten had 83. And there's really not too much of consequence behind Gallup and Amari except for CD. I felt like CD would slide into those 83 pretty easily. Um, you know, who would you rather have in the slot, Randall Cobb or CD Lamb? Rhetorical question, right? So obviously I felt, I felt like uh, he would see those targets. Jason Witten also leaving, as you point out, he really controls that middle of the field, and you know, even just for I don't know why, but he does command targets in the in the middle of the field. So, um, you know, him kind of leaving created a little bit of a vacancy. And uh, I tweeted it the other day. I think Amari was, I mean, excuse me, CD was on on a pace for uh, 125 targets or some crazy thing, um, you know, through two games, and he's just awesome. And and right now. CD has 21 targets. Gallup has 19. I would not be panicking with Michael Gallup at all. Not in the least bit. I think Michael Gallup's going to have a, a great year. And he has a very good chance of outscoring CD Lamb straight up this season. However, I think with the way I look at it was what I was talking about earlier with those guys that, that changed the game. The Devontae Adams, the Michael Thomases. If there's a guy on this team that has the ability to be that, it's CD Lamb. He's shown out, uh, you know, in the first, you know, uh, three games 
He's already at 230 yards receiving. Now he hasn't gotten in the end zone, but that's pretty dang good. Um, you know, he's well over 10 yards per target. He's just very efficient. He's very smooth. And for some reason, he wasn't in the game toward the end of the game. I thought he could have been, it could have been an opportunity for him to make plays, but I, I just, I couldn't imagine taking a 24 year old second or third round, whatever he was, Michael Gallup over, you know, sort of the 1.01 in my mind, uh, in a rookie class that lands in a prime spot who was drafted in the first round, who had, literally checks every box. Um, so for me, it's still CD Lamb over Gallup. As a matter of fact, I would start pushing CD well into my top 10, given the fact that he's shown me that he can do it. You know, I think in year two, three, four, five, six, seven, I mean, keep going. He is going to be an alpha in this league for a very, very long time. Yeah, you know, I I won't disagree. Yeah, and and it's not something that where we are disagreeing so much because I think we're both saying the same thing, which is that at the end of the day, they're both really awesome. And you know, my fate of Gallup was rescued by you, so I can't get you. I can't get too mad at you, uh, you know, because you pulled me out of the out of the depths. You know, if we look at right now, undroppables uh, wide receiver rankings, just putting this out there. Um, my dynasty rank is I have met wide receiver 22. You have met wide receiver 21. You're first. I'm second. In other words, you know, the, the next one has them at 24, 26, 28, and 31. So, you know, having them as a back end WR2 in dynasty, I'm with you, right? I'm with you. The difference, I think, is where I see CD Lamb. <laughs> He's my wide receiver seven. Ooh. So, you know, just to say that, you know, I, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Give me an. I mean, well, right now, I think I'd move Calvin Ridley above him right now because of this year. But you know, uh, I, I mean, yeah. After you look at, yeah, I've got Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper. Give me CD Lamb. I, you know, now you start talking about. I want him over Tyree Kill. I mean, I do. I I do. I, I I don't. I you know, I want him over DJ Moore and. I'm not even bashful about it. I want him over A.J. Brown. Uh, D.K. Metcalf and Calvin Ridley right now are are definitely an issue. I think you really have to start looking at those two guys. I just I just don't see any reason why I wouldn't want him above all those other guys. He's gonna be he's gonna be the next guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know I, I like C.D. Lamb. I didn't. He wasn't my number one receiver in this class. Uh, so I don't like him as much as you, but uh, I feel like he can still be all those things you talk about. Uh, it does does just because he wasn't my number one doesn't mean he, I you know I disagree with your profile of him. I think he he can be an alpha uh, if he's able to put it all together. He's got all the tools for sure. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson was my number one. I really like that kid a lot. Um, and I have him you know ranked ahead of of CD and Dynasty, but. Uh, Hey, I, I mean, I guess that's uh, opinions are like a holes, right? <laughs> we all got one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know, I made a I made a trade in in a league with Polly um, this off season during the startup, where CD slipped to the one eleven, I think it was, and I kept trying to trade, you know, because CD kept falling and falling and falling, and there he is at one eleven. I traded DeAndre Hopkins uh, for that pick plus the 2.01, I think, and another second, maybe 2022 second. So, and for me, it was, that's how much I liked CD. I knew, or at least in my mind, I felt like I knew that he was a can't miss wide receiver prospect that was going to be in this, you know, in this top 15 and, you know, this year. 
And I felt like DeAndre, as good as he is, and man, yeah, I was going to ask, good. do I mean, you regret that at all with the, with the way so Hopkins is playing? Good. A little bit, you know. I mean, uh, you know, you know, I actually regret who I took at the two point oh one. I'm not even sure if I can get to if I can admit who I took. Um, who would you take? The, you know, DeAndre was was Keyshawn Vaughn. Woo! Uh, it was before it all, you know. It was early. It was an early startup, so it hurts. It hurts. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. That one hurt a little bit. Come on, Keyshawn, resurface so, next year, so, would you? But no, that one hurt. Sorry, um, I couldn't you convince know, you and, on and, Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh my god, that's all right. So, you weren't able. You, know, you for, weren't able to convince me on um on a uh, Gibson. So we're we're even there. Yeah, I think um you know Keyshawn's not dead. Um, but he, you know I think actually I think what what I'm starting to fear with Keyshawn Vaughn now that we kind of are there is I'm not so sure he's committed. You know, the stories from the Senior Bowl were that he was there for half a day and left. Now, that's fine, If but that's not the only, you know, he had COVID. He was out for three weeks. He Look, I'm not holding this against him, but he transferred school. I don't know. There's just a, we're stacking a lot of things on top of one another that start to signal to me that maybe he just isn't, he doesn't have perseverance. I mean, and that's a problem. So I think he might be just kind of a naturally gifted guy who isn't quite a dog out there. And, you know, that's not the guys I want. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a him problem. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I try to, when you hear stuff like that, you know, we obviously, uh, everything we see, everything we know about these these kids, we know from what we see on television or, you know, on the Internet or it's not like we're with these guys uh, 24-7 or, or even as much as the coaches and things like that. And uh, those coaching staffs and those uh, ownership groups, they pay people a lot of money to advance scout those kids and weed those kinds of guy, those kinds of players out. So when I hear stuff like that, I try to take it with a grain of salt. Um, maybe some of that is true. Maybe 10% of it is true. Uh, I don't know. And and I you know I'm not I don't mean to shit on your take it may it, no, it may all you. be true, but there for me there was just something about the kid uh, when I watched him on film that just didn't I didn't feel like his game was going to translate. That that's fair too, and 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 you know by the way, term I'm with you. I don't like all the narrative based uh, analysis. However, sometimes you have to. There has to be a reason why something is or isn't happening. Yeah, maybe he's a bad player, but. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that he was necessarily that bad. I mean, he was pretty good in the passing game. He was pretty electric. He broke some big runs. He played in the SEC for a bad team and single-handedly was good in some games against much better competition. I think there. I think there's some issues with him. There's got to be something because he didn't impress. You know, he certainly didn't impress the Arizona Card. I mean, excuse me, Arians at the Arizona <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers enough to get himself. Isn't that crazy? I thought of uh, Arians and and put him in Arizona again. Um, but you know, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers enough to 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 earn any playing time. Now, granted, he did miss with COVID. That's an excuse, but there's a lot of excuse making. I feel as I, I guess what I'm getting at with the kid. You know, you know, excuse why he had to leave and, and transfer schools. Okay, great. That's no big deal. Excuse why he had to leave the Senior Bowl after just a, you know half a day. Okay, well that's fine. That in and of itself, these things aren't singularly a problem but when they start stacking up you know it's somebody's problem and it's turning out to be his problem and unless he turns it around quickly and starts to get get to work 
you know, he's just going to fizzle out of the league. There, there's plenty of those guys, first, second, third round backs who, you know, I'll, I'll we'll read draft history together. You'll be like, oh, shit, remember yeah, that guy? Yeah, absolutely. No, not really. Um, I'll uh, play devil's advocate a little bit, you know, just because I saw him and I didn't like his game. I, you know, I saw Daryl Henderson last year and, uh, I, you know, there were a lot of people calling him a league winner and, and his ADP rose all the way into the sixth round. And I was never on that train. Um, I never wanted anything to do with this guy. And so that continued into this year. As many startups as we did together, this is not a player that I uh, drafted at all. So look at what he's doing now. Look at what he did today. Uh, I think a lot of times we get give up on these guys too quickly. Not everyone comes into the league and lights it on fire right away. Uh, we spoke yep. about uh, Swift today on Matt McCoy's pod. Uh, you know, I think he got one touch or one carry or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. One catch. So yep. I'm like, you know, if you play Dynasty, go get this kid. Um, you know, it, yep. he, it may be a situation where we, we saw with Miles Sanders last year. Uh, where you know the the older statesman gets hurt and and paves the way for the rookie to get on the field, and he helps you down the stretch. But even if not, this is someone you're going to want in the future. You're going to want him on your team next year. You're going to wish you had this kid. Um, so go now is the time to go trade for him while he, while he is getting one touch. Uh, it's like Cam Akers. Now is the time to go get this guy. Uh, if you feel feel like this Absolutely. is someone who can help you it's someone you like it's someone you profile pretty high he's obviously they've invested a lot of draft capital in him uh now is the time to go get these kids and uh i think think people give up on players uh too quickly well and especially if your team i mean we're, we're three weeks in i mean and basically you you'll know in your league if you're three and oh or oh and three or somewhere in between and i mean yes we have one more week uh, one more game to go tomorrow night which would be uh pretty awesome but uh, but but yeah, so you kind of know. And if you're zero and three and no hope, and but you have a I don't know, I'll make someone up a Chris Carson type or I don't know, whatever you know, someone like that, and you can you can flip him for DeAndre Swift and maybe more. I mean, you probably to a contender right now who's got DeAndre Swift, he's like, geez, Louise, you know, if he's a if he's a running back away, maybe a James Conner, these types of players that you might have. Yeah, that's exactly what. Throw me a second too. What's that? Throw me a second, too. Yeah, well, maybe I'd go for a first and then fall to a second. I mean, I'm always looking for those firsts. But, uh, no, I'm only I'm only having fun. Uh, but, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, uh, get some get some juice to that thing. And, you know, and, and, and I actually have DeAndre Swift on a team where he's like, I got nobody. It's a total rebuild. We have like five or six. I say we. It's me and Gemmo, the icon. We, 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 you know, it's his team, and he invited me in to – intimidate his league mates which i'm not doing a very good job with because we're we're stripped down but you know like it's funny because deandre swift's the perfect back for us because he's going to be good but he's not doing anything so he's helping us lose he's securing he's helping us secure trevor lawrence being in our, you know rb2 spot um but you know yeah i've you know on a team like that i have no i'm no panic i'm i'm totally fine with his lack of production because i know he'll be good but you're right if i were contending and i've you know i'm i've drafted deandre swift to to contribute, hey, these running backs they they contribute right away. I'm ready to play him, and he's throwing up one catch. I might get a little bit antsy, and you know, find that guy who's got that 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 player, and and go get him. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a perfect time to go get Cam Akers and even J.K. Dobbins to a lesser degree. We'll see what he does tomorrow, but you know, he he's been a little quiet in, in week two. I I I tend to think he's he's gonna he's gonna blow up uh, every other type of thing. You know, I. 
I, I don't think he's going to be so consistent, but he's going to have some some monster games, some two, three touchdown games and things like that. I, I, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, it's not going to be anything you can uh, project from week to week. Right. Not as long as Mark Ingram is healthy. Uh, I think I tweeted this out last week, much to uh, J.K. Dobbins fan chagrins uh, like myself, uh, much to our chagrin, Mark Ingram can still play football. Absolutely. Uh, and and this is a guy. <laughs> so I was pretty high on J.K. Dobbins during the uh, pre-draft process, and I don't have any of this guy <laughs> largely because I don't didn't have any picks. I was going to say because um, you trade all your picks <laughs> for good players. That's your that's your mo. And meanwhile, I have J.K. Dobbins all over the place, like literally everywhere. Yeah, because... I can't, I can't get a, I cannot get a share of this guy. Yeah. So I offered a trade that I thought was going to get smash accepted. Uh, in a league that my team is not a, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a contender, but I wouldn't say it's tanking either. It's sort of like that in the middle, uh, which is where you don't want to be in dynasty. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I hate the, I hate those kinds of teams. Yes. So I offered Michael Thomas and Joe Mixon for J.K. Dobbins, Jerry Judy, and Chris Carson. Boy, oh boy, you'd think that would be a smash accept, especially if you're giving up Michael Thomas. I got told no. Well, maybe they listen to the podcast. I don't know. I mean, what do you, that's the only I thing like, I can think of, man. I was like, really? Really? You're going to tell me no? Really? I think my first, uh, my first uh, podcast name was J.K. Dobbins Totem Pole. In other words, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe he listens. I'm not sure. But, you know, for me, I've had J.K. Dobbins at the, you know, at the, at the two spot all, all, you know, all off season. He's just, he's awesome. And then when he gets drafted by Baltimore, you want to talk about scheme fit. It's like, I mean, geez, Louise, you can't, you literally can't ask for a better scheme fit than J.K. Dobbins with, uh, with Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah, ne- next year he's going to be so. Okay, so Ingram's under contract, but I, you know, I don't think they're, they're probably not going to pick it up. Uh, I think they can I, save, I, you, you don't, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but I, I, I think they can save quite a bit of money. I think it's like a $2 million cap hit or a, Eight million or six yeah, million yeah. dollar, you know, you know. So I think there's a way for them to save some money there. But even if they keep him term, which I think you're right, they might not pick it up. But even if they're like, you know what, he's such a team player, yada yada, or they restructure, or who knows what. Even if they keep him around, I think you know after this season, there's sort of that natural changing where you know it becomes seventy percent Dobbins, thirty percent you know the the veteran guy who helps him out. This year, it's more like it's more sixty percent Ingram and you know, hey, we'll get the kid in there when we can, you know, and that changes in year two because he's just so awesome. Yeah, so I think Gus Edwards is a much better player than a lot of people uh, realize. Uh, I think he's capable. I think they'd be just fine if they were without Ingram. You know, sure. They, they got Justice Hill back there, who's not, you know, Hill is not anything, he's not a three-down back or anything no. like that, but he – He's a perfect change of pace guy, you know, get in there and, uh, you know, play play alongside Lamar and, and play that uh, that uh those RPOs and things like that uh, that they like to run. And that they, they do a little bit of that fly motion stuff. I think if, you know, without Ingram, they, they I don't think they'd miss a beat. So that's why I feel like they're, they're, they probably won't pick that option up. But uh, I've been surprised before. I certainly didn't think Amari Cooper was going to get paid by the Cowboys after the way uh, last season ended, and here we are. He's still a cowboy, so it's tough to let those those high quality players go. Running backs are different, of course, as we know. I mean, they're really a replaceable position. 
Um, if you have an elite player, yeah, he makes a difference for sure. But you know, anything after the you know a, you know a Camara McCaffrey type of player, um, you know, as, as you start to get into that meaty middle, um, it you know it doesn't matter who you have really. I mean, you look at Rex Burkhead's filling in uh, and, and playing well. It's he's a good player. I, I always like, I'm a Pats fan. I watch Rex. He's a good player, but. I mean, he's a he's a, a replacement level running back, he's right? A jack. I mean, that's, that's what he is. He's, I mean, I, I'd rather have him than Gus Edwards, uh, if you're asking me. But I don't know that either one makes a difference. I mean, they're different players for sure. I mean, Rex is more of a pass catcher and a sort of a, a do it all type of player. He's sort of like a Kevin Falk type of player, uh, which is why Bill Belichick really likes him. He's, you know, he, he can kind of do it all and. Uh, he can run up in between the tackles, and he's actually pretty nifty. Um, he's just not an an elite athlete, but you know. But my point is, is it doesn't matter if it's Rex Burkhead or Mike Davis or whoever, right? It just doesn't matter, you know. As long as it's a healthy guy who's got some juice, you're fine. But you know, it's when you have those elite players, and I think J.K. might be that that type of player, um, and I think he'll start to show himself. But I did want to say, you know, for those of you who don't know, Randall, you know, Randall's kind of the you know one of the founding. Uh, partners here at the Undroppables, and you know we're we're so excited about what we're doing here, and and uh, he's got Unscripted, which is the Mazaship, the first pod uh, that we've got going uh, at the Undroppables. We now have three pods, you know, this one and Unscripted, and Tommy Moe's po- uh, pod that he brought over from Two on One. But with with Randall, Jake, and Polly doing Unscripted, go check it out. As a matter of fact, uh, very simple: search the Undroppables basically anywhere, whether you're on Spotify or or iTunes or wherever else, and and all three of them will pop right up, man. So you know we're trying to do something different with each pod, and we're only going to get better. But you know we can get better if you guys help us get better. So rate and review us. You know five star ratings; those really help. Um, tell your friends. Hit the follow button. Hit the subscribe button. Get on there and help, and give us a push. You know we really could use your support. Uh, hopefully you like the shows that we're putting out. Um, and honestly, if you do or don't, your feedback will actually listen to you. I mean. You know, we're not so uh, so out in front of this thing that we think we know everything. So y'all got something to say to us. You know, we're easy to find on Twitter. We're very uh, accessible. Um, and, you know, I, I would take feedback from any of y'all. So uh, let us know how we're doing. And without further ado, uh, you know, you got anything to, anything to say before I, we, we let this thing roll? Don't know everything. Anyone who mm-hmm. listened to this for the last hour and a half realizes I don't know nothing. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought you were going. I thought you were going the other way. Think that you know, uh, is there any more arrogant sons of bitches than me and you? You know, it's like Jesus. You know, we're we're we were like trying our best to be nice to one another. Yeah, I was I was smiling through clenched teeth a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> you bastard. Me, um, me and me and term, I you know we have such a cool relationship because we respect each other greatly, but we uh, we can we can test each other and push each other's buttons and piss each other off pretty well, and I think that's really cool. And you know, uh, I really respect and, and value our friendship and and love working with you. So maybe you'll come on again, and and I'd you know love to get on your pod again. But you know, uh, let's just keep rolling. And, and thanks so much for coming on, man. Man, I'll I'll come on anytime you'll have me. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate you asking me on. I uh, wish we uh, could have done it sooner, but this turned out to be perfect. Um, and we will definitely do it again, my friend. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. And for the Undroppables and for Scott here at the Undrafted, we out. <laughs>